You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. And we got a doozy of a program for you today. Um, we're going to ask that you bear with us because the topics we're going to be talking about today are are pretty. They're pretty out there. Uh, they're out there in terms of importance. They're out there in terms of being forward uh, thinking concepts that haven't necessarily been implemented yet in the marketplace. But they are concepts that are important because they are being deliberated, contemplated discussed right now in the halls of power, wherever that is. If, 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 if you're talking about legislatively, uh, from a regulatory standpoint, um, these topics that we're going to be talking about, which I'll get to momentarily, are of critical importance for what they hold for us as MSPs in the very, very near future. And uh, joining me today, uh, as always, to help us unpack and make uh, simple the very complex uh, concepts we'll be talking about, uh, welcome to have back Rob Scott from Scott & Scott LLP. Rob, welcome back. Thanks, Charles. Good to be with you again. So uh, you, you and I kind of agreed that if we don't get to everything here, we'll, we'll revisit this and probably we'll revisit it anyway in future episodes. But um, I, I want to present for the audience listening the topics that we're going to address and 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 we will get to some practical solutions so this is not just going to be a philosophy 101 class you're going to get some practical tips here but rob i i'd like to maybe start with having you explain uh if you can the the this concept of a of a standard of care and maybe use your your training in law as where you see the standard of care being applied, and then that's going to lead us into the, the the issue of today, which is really what is there an MSP standard of care? So, could you give us kind of a just a an intro uh, legal one hundred and one? Sure. So, the standard of care is a concept that has evolved from common law that describes the duty that one party owes to another in the context of a claim regarding injury, a, a tort claim, for example, where uh, someone has been injured in a car accident. The question will be on the on the issue of liability of the drivers will be uh, whether or not the drivers were acting uh, with a reasonable standard of care as, as an ordinary prudent driver under those circumstances. And the same is true whether you're evaluating a lawyer for professional malpractice, a doctor for malpractice, um, or an MSP for uh, negligently uh, failing to uh, adequately protect customer information, from a legal perspective, the standard of care will always be in a tort case uh, whether or not the defendant was acting as a reasonably prudent person under the circumstances. And if the answer to that question is no, then the defendant could be responsible for the damages that resulted. If the answer to that question is yes, even though the plaintiff may have suffered damages, if the 
defendant's conduct was reasonable and complied with the standard of care, then the defendant would not be held responsible. So that's a high-level overview of how the standard of care works across the board, whether it's uh, in the context of a car accident, uh, professional malpractice, or even as we're con contemplating a claim against an MSP, uh, likely related to either some sort of a security incident, a malware incident, or a loss of data incident. So, Rob, so just to interject there, so the, the standard of care theory, which already exists in, in, in legal circles and it is, is commonly applied, and we're, we'll get maybe to how contracts interact with those standards of care, but we're, re we're really talking about civil um civil suits, right? Two parties um, involved. One party is, is going after another party saying, you didn't behave properly. I was harmed. I want you to pay me or to make something right. And we're trying to apply this now. And really, this begs the question of, of the episode, which is, is there an MSP standard of care? And I'd like for you maybe to talk about um, the, the the conjunction uh, of two previously non-intersecting areas that I think are about to intersect, which is the the concept within the MSP community, which you're very well aware of, uh, for the last 20 years of MSP best practices. Best practices for managed services intersecting with this potential MSP standard of care. Could, could you talk to that briefly? Sure. And, and I would say that uh, best practices would not ever be the standard of care. And could you explain why that's, that's yeah, the case? Yeah, because, because what they're talking about is the minimum standard of care. It's, it's, the, the, stand, it's, the, it's the minimum level of care that uh, the law would impose. Best practices implies way better than average, on the leading edge, uh, out in front, state of the art. The law does not require that. The law requires what's reasonable under the circumstances. And it may be the case that the industry has adopted the best practices over a number of years such that any reasonably prudent MSP would um, utilize them. Uh, and if it rose to that level in a particular incident, in a particular circumstance, then the fact that it happened to be a best practice would not preclude someone from finding that um, it, it was part of the minimum standard of care. But as a general proposition, those things that establish sort of the leading edge, the recommended, the, the state of the art, the law won't require that on a party. Okay. So uh, a caveat for those of you out there listening, um, Rob is an attorney. His law firm works with many, many uh, MSP Alliance members, um, encourage all of you to, to check his firm out and, and uh, engage their services, or at least talk to them about what they do. I think you'll find it very helpful. But uh, this podcast is not uh, rendering any legal advice whatsoever, because I'm going to get into, and Rob, if you will indulge me, I'll, I'll ask some questions that, you know, uh, we, we were both agreeing that is not legal advice to, to those listening out there. The, the, I use the phrase, the, the analogy of the, the physician, right? Uh, pre-washing hands, when washing hands was, you know, why do it? There wasn't a reason to, and then a period where suddenly science and, and um, chemistry and, and, and biology said, yes, it's good to wash hands, to now it's expected. It, it is a, 
if, if it's not a best practice, then it's certainly required. How, how does that f- enter into our conversation that we just started of this best practices versus minimum standard of care? Well, I think, you know, it's all going to boil down to the facts. So your, your, your analogy is a surgeon fails to wash her hands before the surgery that she performs and the patient winds up with a bacterial infection uh, that the that the surgeon also simultaneously um, tested positive for. And another doctor will testify as an expert that um, it's their professional opinion that the, the, the bacteria was transmitted from the surgeon to the patient. Uh, to me, that sounds like a breach of a minimum standard of care. I mean, a lot of this is just going to be like up to the jury, up to the judge. You know, whether or not there was a breach of the standard of care is a fact question in a court case. And so you just gonna, it's just going to have to be case by case. But in my uh, in your analogy, you have a, a, what you point out is correct. What starts at one point as the best practice over time becomes so widely accepted that a failure to do it would be a, a breach of the minimum standard of care. Yeah, and that's where I think our, our whole industry, I mean, and you included, because you, you've been a, a, a fairly vocal um, advocate for uh, good managed services, best practices through uh, legal contracts and protecting both the MSP and the customer through legal contracts. And and, and these things are, are really, in my opinion, and I think you may share these or not, vital to the ongoing uh, flourishing uh, growth of the managed services profession because we are now seeing, you know, uh, certainly we've seen 24 months of of MSP attacks where MSPs or people claiming to be MSPs have been attacked, and you know maybe they could have mitigated against them, maybe not. Uh, but you're saying that it's a factual question. How would you recommend can an MSP, an average MSP, protect themselves against being subjected to a a factual, you know, a, a litigious situation trying to determine and arrive at what the facts are, can they protect themselves through, oh, I don't know, maybe a contract? Well, that's um, that's softball for sure, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is the best way to uh, avoid being measured by a common law standard is to have a binding and enforceable contract covering the subject matter which under the law then would restrict the claims to contract claims, which would not be measured uh, on a reasonable uh, uh, minimum standard of care basis, but would more so be measured by the actual language in the agreement. So, for example, I'll use my, my commercial best efforts. is different standard than a standard of reasonable care. And if the conduct giving rise to the injury was contemplated by and covered by the contract, then the common law tort claim uh, would likely not be able to coexist with the contract claim, and a lawyer would be able to move, most likely, uh, to dismiss the the claims that would have the MSPs being measured uh, by a reasonableness or minimum standard of care and rather to be held to whether or not they breached the contract, which is a 
um, you know, potentially much clearer, much more objective, much e- more easy to defend uh, standard, particularly if your contracts are written uh, in ways that make it clear what you're taking responsible for responsibility for and what you're not taking responsibility for such that um, uh, there are no uh, uncovered areas of the contract that could give rise to uh, common law or statutory tort tort claims uh, that would otherwise be barred under a a principle of the law that says uh, a party to a contract owes to the other party uh, the obedience to the contract but does not owe it a further duty beyond what's in the contract. All right, so let me let me interject there, Rob. So for those of you, you know, uh, following what Rob said, and, and maybe for those of you who, who maybe got lost, we'll, we'll try to rephrase or summarize. If you don't want, and Rob, if I stray out of, of what you intended, stop me. If you don't want a judge or a jury to determine for you whether you were acting appropriately the best case scenario and the best advice is to have a contract with your managed services clients that specifically anticipates those types of situations and determines who is and is not responsible. Is that a fair summary of what, what you just said? A hundred percent. Correct. Now you still may have a judge or a jury determining whether you breached your contract. Of course. But that's the much more favorable position that we're trying to put people in than being judged by this amorphous common law standard, which is, you know, what the jury or the judge finds reasonable under the circumstances, which is very difficult to run a business to that, you know, kind of a standard. So, Rob, as, as I'm just thinking through this and maybe others out there listening to this are thinking as well, like, how the heck do you anticipate every single possible you know, outcome of a managed services relationship. I mean, there, there's got to be a million and one ways that that the relationship might go wrong. How would you recommend? Is there an elegant solution to what could be an infinitely complex number of uh, business outcomes? Um, you can never get it a hundred percent. You know, I had a lawyer older lawyer tell me 20 years ago or so when I first started practicing that the only airtight case is the one they put you in when you're dead. (laughs) And this is true in this situation. So, you know, getting your contracts to be very clear and broad and and precise as to what you're offering, uh, making it clear on what you're not offering, making it clear what the client's responsibilities are, for example, on, you know, their own data, uh, security uh, all of these things are critically important and they all go to this mitigation of the risk and i and i would say that you know to the extent that um you never can get a hundred percent of it uh the goal here is to um put the the msp in as low a risk position as possible and where there's certainty and clarity between the MSP and the customer about who's responsible for what and who's going to pay what if something goes wrong. And the, the, you know, the plight of the MSP right now is navigating all the regulatory data processing obligations 
while at the same time, you know, clearly and fairly documenting the services it's providing without taking on undue responsibility for services it doesn't provide or things it can't control. Right. So, Rob, why don't we apply a little bit of uh, context to this so, so people might get a, a better sense of what, what we're talking about. So if I'm an MSP and I don't offer backup as a service, right? I do not offer backup as a service, but I offer maybe some really stellar monitoring management and maybe user access um, user management, you know, password management, multi-factor. So on more on the security side, which a lot of MSPs are doing these days. Um, but I don't do backup. Now, everyone knows that backup is, is one of several fairly decent, reliable best practices to protect against ransomware um, and, and a number of other, you know, business continuity issues that do come up from time to time. If I was going to you and said, Rob, I don't want to be applied, uh, held to a common law you know, standard of care for my managed services practice. I don't want to deliver backup as a service. How do I sell my services, my professional managed services to my customers and still protect myself against someone coming back and saying, well, you should have backed up my data? What, what, what's, the, what's the hypothetical response in that scenario? Well, look, I, I think you make a good point that you know, nobody, nobody should be required to offer every service that would be necessary to protect the client environment. And the market is moving in a direction where hyper-specialized solution providers are emerging. And therefore, I think the key is in the customer contract, when you're talking about scope of services and excluded services and client obligations, you know, if you think about those sections of the customer contract, that's where you're going to find your answers to how do we mitigate the risk of the security MSP who doesn't offer backup being held responsible for a failed backup that may have been caused by a security incident, right? So, so I think the answer is, you know, the services being offered, the scope of work, the, the, the managed services agreement in that situation needs to be very clear. It needs to say, these are the services that we provide in some detail. And then when it comes to the exclusions, it needs to say what, what things are excluded. And, and in that situation, I would make it abundantly clear that data backup, data security, uh, uh, disaster recovery, all of those services are excluded. The responsibility of the customer, the customer represents and warrants that it is either performing those services on its own or is engaged a third party to do so. All right. So in that scenario, I as a practicing MSP with a specialty, not on backup as a service, but on user access management and more security monitoring and management I can engage with my customers safely and pretty well know that if a legal dispute happens, that the contract and not the common law standard of care, whatever that may be, is going to be applied in that scenario where the customer is going to, and, and the judge or jury reviewing it is going to look at the contract first and say, well, backup as a service is explicitly disclaimed here. They're not providing you with backup as a service. Therefore, it's not part of the standard of care. Therefore, 
and then and then on from there. But that backup issue should be fairly well resolved. And that's back to your 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 concept of don't let the common law just rest. Right, be act and be specific about what you're doing so that the common law, the contract, not the common law, applies. That's exactly right, Charlie. So, in, in most jurisdictions, the way this rule of what they call contorts operates. If the parties have entered into a contract that covers the subject matter of the dispute, then the plaintiff is going to be limited to a contract claim. And when the contract claim is brought forth, the standard of care issue is not the measure of liability. It is whether or not the MSP breached its contract. So if you're listening out there and you're saying, you know, okay, what was all this about? Here it is. Right now, and, and many of the people listening, by the way, not, aren't just MSPs. They're, they're, peop, they're regulators. They're people who work in the banking sector, work in healthcare. Maybe they work at the federal government level uh, for many different uh, country uh, federal governments. Uh, it could be legislators, people who write laws. Uh, people who are getting ready to write that next MSP law. Uh, there's a lot of those people out there listening to this and, and reading MSP Alliance material, so we want them as much as the MSPs to hear these th- this message, which is we, we do have a fairly well-developed uh, concept of best practices within the managed services sector, and we certainly have a fairly good understanding of, you know, whether we, we have general practitioners, we have special specialists, as Rob pointed out, but we also have a uh, you know a a burgeoning and growing um, you know adoption of good contracts within the managed services sector that can and probably should give a lot of guidance to different regulated sectors uh, out there who who might otherwise and Rob maybe this is a a, a comment uh, that you can make. Those regulated sectors may may have a perception of just being completely open and anyone can do what they want to do, but we do have a fair amount of, of context and structure to MSPs servicing even the most regulated of, of vertical markets, do we not? Oh, no question. In fact, in many instances, it's the MSPs that bring the expertise with the regulatory compliance components of the solution that get awarded the work. Um, So if you think about it, in a lot of ways, MSPs are assisting end users with compliance initiatives. Um, And we have always said that the MSPs that are best positioned to focus on verticals that are regulated are adding the most value. And And I think that there are many, many examples of MSPs that are doing that and have done that for a long time. And I would tell you, Charles, that within the managed services industry, there is a lot of work that's being done to um, make it clear to the end user uh, exactly what the relationship is to the MSP, to the overall uh, ecosystem of the vendors, and I, I think there's been a lot of forward and positive progress in that area. And I will also say that 
you know, years ago, there were a number of uh, MSPs that we were having to convince that, you know, handshake uh, arrangement was not going to be adequate. I think I remember a few of those sessions. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so now imagine a world where someone would suggest that a handshake would be okay when multiple regulatory regimes, both state, federal, and international, require a written data processing agreement as a matter of privacy regulation. So, Rob, I, last topic, and, and, and I'll let you go. Um, and it's back to the issue of reactive or break-fix uh, companies. And, um, you know, not all of them are employing that kind of handshake, you know, um, you know, a good faith handshake, you know, no, no contract needed, you know, our word is our bond type of relationships, which do exist out there. Um, Is there, is there any, I don't want to say risk, but do you have any thoughts, comments about how the MSPs and really how the regulators and legislators ought to be viewing the MSPs, knowing that there is this community of companies, some of them are in the process of transitioning to managed services, but but many of them are not. Many of them are just sitting at the status quo, uh, as difficult as that might believe. To, uh, they're sitting there just practicing break-fix reactive work, not doing anything really in the managed services market. How does that impact that standard and that general awareness of, of how MSPs and their customers ought to be conducting business? You know, I look at it in the way of, at the very least, the MSP should be bound to whatever state or federal security and privacy obligations of the client in a way that, for example, GLBA requires the service provider and in the way that HIPAA requires the um, um, business associate to be bound to the regulations. If I'm a regulator, what I'm focused on is pushing the effect, the intended effect of the regulation all the way through to the people who are executing it without creating any loophole down the line that would allow a service provider to disclaim responsibility for the full set of obligations. Because, Rob, it seems to me that if I was the break-fix company, there's no way that I would have a contract, and this is assuming I have a contract, there's no way that I would be able to have a contract that is reasonable that would that wouldn't disclaim everything under the sun, and and basically just you know uh, be a completely one-sided agreement compared to that that well-known managed services agreement where there there is a clear distinction and a clear apportionment of risk uh, and, and obligation on both parties, including the MSP and the and the client. Uh, and it seems like there's a very different, uh, different relationship styles and contractual styles, one with the MSP and the cl- and the client, and one with the break fix provider and the client. Last well, yeah, comments. And, and the other thing that arises is, you know, it becomes this is a frequently a shared responsibility. You know, you hire me; to, I'm your IT guy, but you're also in there doing your own stuff. You call me when you need me. You call me when your people can't figure it out. Um, how much How much responsibility do I want to have as an MSP for the potential outcomes in that environment 
when it's not clear what my responsibility is and what the what the other person's responsibility are. Now, could you theoretically stay break fix and address that risk balancing? Probably. The problem with break fix is it has no ability to scale. And the margins in break fix compared to the monthly recurring revenue margins of, of managed services are nowhere as good. And when you go to sell a break fix business, you get about 25 cents on the dollar. And when you go to sell a, a, a recurring revenue business, you get 2x or more. So there's a lot of reasons beyond just risk balancing to move away from break fix. Absolutely. Well, we've run out of time. Rob, I really appreciate you joining uh, joining us again. Um, I, I uh, will hope you come back, as I know you will, and, and really I think we'll be talking about this topic again in the future because just because I, I sense that there's a lot of questions from the, the legislative and regulatory communities out there who are really trying to wrap their heads around how to approach this thing that we call managed services. And that's not a bad thing. It just means that we need to talk about it. We need to um, share to the outside world what, what we already know in, inside the managed services community to, to be, to be reality. So uh, I hope all of you out there uh, enjoyed this. Uh, Rob, thanks again for, for being on the program. My pleasure, Charlie. Thank you for having me. Anytime. And until next time, this is Charles Weaver with the MSP Zone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.